0: Amen. Thank you, April. Just by way of a uh, little housekeeping and schedule as well, I want to just bring to your attention that next Sunday night, we will meet and uh, um, have our regular evening worship service, but the following weekend is Easter, and so there won't be any evening service on Easter Sunday. Um, so put that on your schedule. We will be, we'll have our Passion Week services on Thursday and Friday evening, and then uh, then on the Lord's Day morning, but not that evening. So put that into your iPhone calendar or wherever you keep your calendar. If you're old school and still have a day planner and write it out, that's all right too. But put it in there, otherwise you might be the only ones here. But we hope that you use that evening to uh, continue to revel in the risen Savior and his family are in town and things that want to give you that uh, time together. Turn in your copy of God's Word to the end of Romans 7. We're in the second part of the believer's struggle with sin. Last week we looked at verses 14 to 20. And tonight I want to read for you and explain to you verses 21 to 25. So, following along in your copy of God's Word, listen here as I read Romans 7 21 to 25. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members." wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then on the one hand I myself with my mind am serving the law of God, but on the other with my flesh the law of sin. Now the natural world around us is governed by an extraordinary amount of scientific laws. You may remember from your high school science days and physics and biology, the laws of thermodynamics, how energy relates to one another. You may remember the the laws of buoyancy, how things stay afloat in water and how their mass is displaced so they don't sink. Or different laws that govern weather, why we have rain, why we, well, in our case, why we don't have rain here in the hill country, and the factors that play into the different types of weather, depending upon the place you are in this world. We saw a unique scientific law last Friday, on the first day of spring. How many of you took your eggs and turned them up on end and saw that they could stand on end? We did. How many of you didn't know that that was possible? On Friday, you could. It was one of those things where the the moon's lined up and and everything was just so right and aligned that you could take an egg and it, you could stand it on its end and it would it would stay there. Try that today and it will fall over, maybe even crack on you. But there's scientific laws at work all around us. We know the laws of gravity as well, right? That what goes up must come down, that there's this uh, uh, ever-present force that is constantly keeping us down and grounded to the ground, whether we like it or not. Some ways we like it when our feet are on the ground, but not so much the effects of gravity where maybe our face starts to sag and other parts of us begin to age. You know, mathematicians and scientists, they maybe understand these laws and these principles better than we do, But I don't think that they even understand them fully. We see their effects, but their origins are often unseen. And if this is true in the natural world, this is also true in the spiritual world. And so tonight's passage, the passage I just read for you, we're going to see some of these spiritual laws, these spiritual Principles in battle with one another. Remember now that chapter 7, in this grand scheme of Romans and Paul's argument and his epistle to the Romans, that chapters 6, 7, and 8 are all about sanctification. Our growth in the Lord. Our progress in this life of becoming more conformed to Christ-likeness. And chapter 7 fits in that is the believer's relationship to the law. If chapter 6 was the believer's relationship to sin, chapter 7 the believer's relationship to the law, and chapter 8 then the believer's relationship to the Holy Spirit in regards to this idea of sanctification. And so thus far in chapter 7 we have seen that the law, God's Old Testament, all the entirety of the law is spiritual, it's holy, it's righteous, and it's good. And we've seen that in this problem of sanctification, in this, this growth, this progress in sanctification, that we are the problem. That sin in us is this problem. And so when we hold up the law, which is good, which is holy, righteous, and good, it acts as this mirror. That exposes us. You know, it's one of those, those mirrors that you see at, at a woman's sink. The ones that get really close that are like a magnifying glass. And it shows all the details of, of your face. Or whichever other thing you are uh, putting up to the mirror. And this is helpful for getting those fine details in makeup. But the law is like one of those magnifying mirrors into our life, is it not? Exposing us for who we really are and so in the first part of this and the believers struggle with sin paul has held up the mirror for us in this struggle and he's shown us that the are the problem there's two problems here there are two struggles and tonight we're going to look at a third one but the first one being that you and i remain of flesh right that you and i are still in the bodies. That we were, since we were born, since we were when we were in Adam. And so we remain in these bodies. And the second struggle then is that, well, sin remains in this flesh. Sin using, seeing its advent, uh, its opportunity through the law, sin has taken advantage of this fact that we are still in these bodies, still, uh, and it's still corrupting us. And so that is why we are at odds with the law of God. That's why we have this struggle back and forth. And so tonight, our final struggle here, struggle number three is the law of God versus the law of sin. Struggle number three, which we'll find here in, in verses 21 to 25, is the law of God versus the law of sin. And so you see how these things are like layers. These three struggles are all interconnected. We're in these bodies. These bodies are still remain in the flesh. And that is at odds with the law of God. And so when we say the law of God, we'll say capital L law of God, meaning the Old Testament, meaning what is, what is included in the Pentateuch the, of, of God's word versus the law, or we might say lowercase l, or the principle of sin. Those principles, those laws that we would compare to the laws in the natural world. And so these two things are struggling against one another in our flesh and so just like last week where there's a very simple outline for us if that was the struggle well, 21a is going to tell us the problem so three three things the problem will have the proof and then the provenance but the problem the problem here in 21a look with me there is that evil is present in him or evil is present in us And that's a problem. We know the the problem is that we are of flesh still, that sin is still in it. And so that evil then is present in us. And in Paul particularly, I want to point out here, it was just kind of referenced last week here, but notice how Paul is speaking in the first person here. He's referring to himself, I. He's recognizing that evil is present in him at that moment as an apostle, as a mature believer, as Paul who here is, is, is on missionary journeys, is planting churches, has been walking with the Lord for many years now. And so this is helpful for us as we see if Paul is saying this of him, if if this is true, this struggle is true of the Apostle Paul, then how much more true is it of us? And so that that may be, uh, I hope that's encouraging to you, to know that if even the Apostle Paul had this problem, that if you find yourself in this struggle against sin, you can take heart because you're in good company with even the Apostle Paul and those that are sitting next to you. So if evil is present in him. Evil is present in us. It's in, we got to look at this word here, that principle, that evil. Because here it's this next layer down. It's a step further. That evil is present in us. This, it's sin that is manifesting itself as evil, evil deeds. And yes, even as a believer. But this isn't necessarily a, a, an original concept to Paul, is it? Because what did Jesus say in Mark chapter 7? Let's turn there, if you will. Turn over to Mark chapter 7. I've referred to this before. I think it's a passage that we maybe overlook oftentimes or in our culture that paints us all as victims to things that have, you know, that sin and bad things happen to us and we have no responsibility of ourselves. Well, Jesus calls this idea to the mat here. Mark chapter 7, verse 14. And he called the crowd to him. This is Jesus again. And he began saying to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside the man which can defile him if it goes into him. But the things which proceed out of the man are what defile the man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When, the crowd, or when he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples and questioned him about the parable. So here, picture this Jesus, he's left and now his disciples, those that have been walking with him, seeing these miracles and hearing his teaching, they come and they question him. He says to them, are you so lacking in understanding also? Do you not understand that whenever whatever goes into the man from outside cannot defile him because it does not go into his heart but into his stomach and then is eliminated? And thus he declared all foods clean. And he was saying, that which proceeds out of the man, that is what defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So Paul knows this. He knows that this evil even resides within him. It was resides because he is still of flesh. Because sin still remains. And this is really why we struggle with, why one and two are struggles and why we are here is because evil is within us. And that's the problem. You believer here tonight recognize that evil is still there lurking. Yes, you've been set free from it. Yes, it is not your master, but it remains in us. End of verse 21 there begins with the proof. We've seen now the problem that evil is present in us. And so what's the proof? The law of God versus the law of sin at war with one another? Seeing this problem, evil being present. And so the proof is, look there at the end of verse 21 That we want to do good. The one who wants to do good. Only a regenerate man wants this and recognizes the struggle, right? The spiritual man discerns spiritual things. And so the very fact that Paul can say this of himself, the very fact that when you find yourself in a struggle with sin and you desire to do good, is a proof that these two things are at odds with one another. That the law of God which is good and you desire to do what is good is at war with what is evil within us. You know the difference between chapters 6 and 7, the man there? Is that... Because you remember, you track with me now, In in... Romans chapter 6, there's this, Paul lays out this line of the one who is saying, well, yippee, I've been set free from sin. So understanding the, the doctrine of justification and the fact that as believers who've been called by God are then declared righteous in Christ. And so then the, the, one of the objections or responses that Paul takes on in regards to sanctification then in our continuing walk with the Lord in chapter 6 then is those that would say, well, I've been shown grace and so I can continue in sin. And Paul has this great analogy here that well, that's not true because you model your master and so your life will not look like and will not be patterned by sin. That what is true of your life, what is characteristic in your life will not be sin. It will be righteousness. It will be goodness because that is who you have been cast in the image of, of Christ. And so that man there who says, yippee, I can continue in sin because I've been shown grace and will continue to be shown grace, is that that man loves his sin. This man here in chapter 7 hates his sin that's the difference. That is the difference here. Yes, sin may still crop up. Sin may still show itself in our lives as believers, but we want to do good. We don't want to continue in sin, even if it still is a struggle. The chapter 6 man is happy in his sin. The chapter 7 believer hates his sin. And so here's the proof that this is that we actually want to even do what is good. The second proof of this is verse 22. Not only do we desire to do what is good, but we also joyfully concur with God's law in our inner man. The very fact that we can say that, who, who could delight to do all that God requires? Who delights to do that? Only, the, only those who know Christ who completed it, right? Nobody could say, I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, unless he knew Christ who completed it all for him. Who then, who, the law apart from Christ is a burden, it weighs us down, it's insurmountable. Yet those who've been shown grace in Christ, those who've been regenerated, those who love the Lord, the law then, is, we joyfully concur with it in, in what it requires of us, but also even in what it, what, it, uh, uh, what it demands of us, but even we concur with the judgment that it, that it, that it proclaims upon us when we, when we disobey it. And we know that its judgments are true, that its requirements are true, but even its judgments. And so we joyfully concur. And here, it's, this is a concurrence, this is an acceptance, this is a love for it in the inner man. This is not the edited image, the outer man that is portrayed on Facebook or Instagram. The one that, you know, where we only capture our good moments and put them out there for everybody to see. But the inner man is our, the real you. Your soul, your spiritual you, where your thoughts and your desires reside. This is the one that is really, the only one that knows is, is Christ, is, is the Holy Spirit, is God himself who knows the inner man. Maybe your spouse knows it a, a, a little bit, but not in its, in its uh, entirety but notice here, the inner man, where, what else comes from this? This is where evil desires come from, right? But this is the place that is being sanctified. Our inner man is being sanctified. Our outer man here is, yes, decaying, but also being uh, sanctified. But we joyfully concur with this in our inner man, where conviction happens, where, where uh, uh, understanding comes. That inner man where our thoughts and desires reside. And this is the proof, because who does this? Who delights to do good? Who delights in God's law? Only that man that has been regenerated. So verse 23 then is the provenance or the source, the origin. Where does this all come from? What, what's, the, what's the root of this? Well, that's verse 23. The law of sin remains in the members of my body. But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin. And so again, in a word, what's been the source of all three of these problems is really, it's sin. The sin that remains in our flesh, the sin that is still here. And now this law or this principle of sin remains in the members of our body. That sinful force remains. It is still there. It is still active around us, even though it's not reigning over us, remember, even though sin is not reigning over us as our master, this law of sin is still at work in the universe. This is what makes the, the, the struggle in, in, uh, in that command in chapter 6 so hard, Right? This is what makes it so difficult. You remember back in chapter 6, verse 11 here, these are the first commands in Paul talking to us in regards to sin. You know, first it begins in our mind that we need to consider ourselves dead to sin. But because this law of sin is still present, it's still at work in us, it's what makes this so hard. That yes, I've been set free from sin... And I know that. I need to know that and believe that in my mind. That's the greatest act of faith in our whole life and the, the, the greatest work that we walk in in obedience every day is first considering in our minds that I am dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's where it begins because then the next verse, 612, you, I'm just, this, is, this is just coming back to the source of all this. This struggle then of presenting our members to, as deeds of unrighteousness versus presenting yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness. That's what makes that so difficult, those commands. It's because this law of sin is still at work in this world around us. A war against the force in our members that is fighting against that inner man. So this battle rages on. We know what's right in our mind in our inner man, but our members don't always follow suit. Because these outside forces are still waging war. Think of it this way. Aaron and I, when we, we went up to Fort Worth the last couple days and had some uh, training at Southwestern Seminary and Biblical Counseling, and Aaron and I were uh, chewing on this, and, and so i got to give her credit to, to this illustration, really, because we were talking about it's like a law of gravity. And so think about this. That with the laws of gravity are always at work around us. And the laws of sin work just like this, but in, in, and we're all subject to its force. Everybody who walks on this earth is subject to the force of gravity, to the laws of gravity. All of us who are born into this earth are subject to the laws of sin. It's called being born into Adam. And yet Christ has come into this world, and he has set us free from the law of sin. He has set us free from its, from its mastery over us. And so it's like we've been set free from gravity. That Christ has come in, and, and so now we have the ability to fly. We have to. We we just know, and we can we can we can fly, and be free from this force of gravity. Yet it doesn't mean that the force itself has been taken away, because gravity still remains here on this earth and can still pull us down. It is still waging war. And so even though we can fly when we're not waging war, when we're not exercising this new ability, it will have its way with us. And we will come plop right back down to the ground. Such is true with sin. You've been set free from its force, from from its dominance in your life. And yet the force, the law, the principle of sin is still actively at work in this world, all around you and in the members of your body. And when you are not actively waging war against it, when you are not exercising your new ability, when you are not considering yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, it will have its way in your life. So, is there any relief from this is there any relief i mean this is the whole why this is so exacerbating in our life why it's so frustrating because this is still true and yes we've been set free and yet we long to be freed from sin's presence in our life where do i go from here okay we know these three struggles I mean, I, I hope as maybe as I've explained this, exposed this passage to you, you've been like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm in the body. Yes, I struggle. Yes, this, this is waging war in regards to one sin or another. So Where do I go from here? Do you have any instructions for us, Paul? Well, look at his cry for help in the remaining two verses. Verse 24. Verse 24 is really a lament, isn't it? wretched man that I am who will set me free verse 25 is a cry of gratitude then isn't it thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord and you know what this cry for help here this cry for help you know sometimes I think we just cry for help at conversion And we realize the importance of crying for help in every day of our life. Every step we take in sanctification is a cry for help. A two-part cry of repentance and faith. It's not just a one-time event at salvation. It's not just the, the secret password to get in. But rather, it's the key for living every single day as a believer in Christ. Yes, it may be the password to get you in. And we come and repent of sin and believe on Christ... But it's something that we do every single day of our life. Brother in Christ, another pastor here in town, John Standrich, she says that repentance and faith are like the two-cycle two engine of the Christian life. And I think that is so true. You know, as we think of our lives here and now, we need to think of it as, as, a, as a car, maybe. That we're here and it's the same old body that you've had. But when Christ has come into your life, He's put a new engine into it. And it's a two-cycle engine, for simplicity's sake, of repentance and belief. And that engine was roared to life at your conversion. The Holy Spirit came in, and you now have this new car. And it's going to keep running until glory. (laughs) Until we reach glorification. And so we have this, this new engine this two-cycle engine. And maybe some of us are stalled out alongside the road. You got the new engine, but the engine isn't running. Some of us maybe are still learning to drive, and it's a little jerky, and you're starting and stopping, and you're killing the, the, the engine, you know. Uh, you, the hills are tough, you know, and coasting is, you're, is, is really fun as you head down the hill. But I would just encourage us in this life, look here at Paul's response. Here, even as a mature believer, here he's responding with a cry of lament, ultimately repenting. Wretched man that I am! I know that I am sinful. I know that I am wretched. I know that I am corrupt. And who will set me free from this body of death? I need help. I repent. I recognize I cannot do it on my own. Who will set me free from this body of death? And the follow-up response, it doesn't end there, beloved. It doesn't end there in despair. But it ends in gratitude. It ends in faith. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a confession of faith. Who's going to give him help? Who's going to set him free? Who's going to give him grace every single day in this battle? It is God through the Lord Jesus Christ, our mediator, our Lord, the master of our life, our savior, our rescuer, and our master. He is the one. He is the one that we put our faith in. He's the one in this struggle that we continue to plod on through life in repentance repentance and in faith, repentance and in faith, repentance and in faith. Every day, every time this battle comes, this is how we prepare for battle. Beloved, I would, I would encourage you that even as you continue in this war, as you continue in this struggle, if you find yourself in this battling the law of God, you love it, you know it, you want to please Him, you want to obey Him, and yet you continue to struggle with sin, you continue to give in, it, it is, it's this daily battle. Then make it your daily routine. Begin the day in repentance and in faith. Every morning, every night. Repent, God, I know that I am sinful. I know that I remain in this body. I know that sin is still a force in this life. But I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord. I confess you, God, as the God of my life, knowing that I have the Holy Spirit in me, knowing that I am dead to sin, that I am dependent, that I am weak, that I am inadequate for this task and need your help. That's how we fight the battle. That's how we continue in it. That's how we press on. That's how we grow and sanctification. That's how we grow in Christ-likeness, recognizing we are not him and need him, that he is our Lord. So what that looks like for you, how you implement that into your life, well, that's up to you. You need to find how am I going to implement re- daily repentance, daily belief, daily humbling of myself, daily casting myself onto Christ. Ending the day. Do I need to repent of something? Do I need to repent of sin that I committed against my spouse, against my children, against a coworker? and in trusting Christ that he is already forgiving you? Because here's the fact. Here's what I want to leave us with tonight. Is that we need to be blown away. We need to be blown away that the God of this universe continues to love us even though sin remains in our life it's not our master but sin is still in this world sin is still waging war and god almighty continues to love you and to keep you even in this battle he continues to fight for you are you humbled by this are you amazed by this The god of the universe continues to love and keep you despite the sin that remains. Wow. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come now tonight confessing our great need for you. Confessing that we struggle with this sin. So, Father, I would I would just pray that if there are those here tonight, that there's those listening, watching this that are apart from you, that find that they are still carrying a great weight of sin. And that sin doesn't just remain, but sin reigns as master of their life. They would come, that you would open their eyes to the gravity of their sin, their offense against you, and yet the grace that you have shown us in the Lord Jesus. Oh, what abundant grace. God, for those of us who do know you, whom you have called as your own, whom you adopted as your children, those of us who are co-heirs with Christ, who are dead to sin and alive unto God, God, would you give us grace to walk daily in this struggle? That we would repent of the sin that is waging war that we've given into, that we maybe are inclined to do. And we would believe that you have given us the way out. That we would believe that you are sufficient. That nothing that sin offers us can even compare to the grace that you have freely given us. So help us in that, God. Help us to walk in that tomorrow, on Monday, when the week meets us. When new temptations arise. Help us to keep that car roaring in repentance and in faith. Thank you for a new heart. Thank you for the spirit that lives in us. Thank you for the law of God that is for our good. We pray these things in Christ's name, our mediator and our champion. Amen.